We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. NFL Week 11 is certainly something that's given Sean a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. A week where maybe when we're going through these games, maybe it was that late window. Sometimes we talk about the, the second slate of games, maybe being the, the downer, the not as interesting set of games today. That may be the set of games that we talk the most about because the early window was a little bit of a, I don't know, it just didn't feel as interesting as the other weeks have felt. But maybe that's as our teams, you know, checking on certain directions. Maybe we're more focused on, on certain players at this particular point. We'll be talking through all of that. On today's show with Sean, NFL Week 11, how are we feeling as we move in? Kansas City Chiefs fan, we're not going to talk about that one off the start, but I think you probably have a, an extra little pep in your step as we as we enter the show here. Yeah, it was fun to, to watch the Chiefs rally at the end and Patrick Mahomes keep some of his crazy streaks going. But column Week 11, I think we could characterize as rookie wide receiver breakout week. We get... Seven receptions, including the long 50-yard burst from Traylon Burks on Thursday night. Those come against your Green Bay Packers, but the Packers and Christian Watson, again, really look pretty good in this game. Watson now five touchdowns in two weeks. That'll probably end up as a career high, but he looks very, very good at maybe the slightly lesser attention level we get a big game from Wandale Robinson today with nine receptions for 100 yards in the loss, but that really wasn't garbage time production from him. He's scoring throughout the game, getting open, making some receptions down the field. I think that if you're worried about his season and early part of his career going the way that Rondell Moore's went last year and at the beginning of this year, that game has to be very encouraging for his fantasy managers. That's not to say that he'll end up being as good as Moore looks like he'll be now. I mean, Rondell Moore does give the impression that he's going to be a star, but Robinson's game today, especially when they needed somebody to step up, it didn't carry them to victory. They got very little from Saquon Barkley. Their defense played poorly, but he looked fantastic. And then on Sunday Night Football, we get Sky Moore with five receptions, not any kind of massive blow-up game, but the Chiefs needed every one of those and his five receptions go down as just a footnote to Travis Kelsey's excellent game again, but he actually catches more passes than the rest of the Chiefs wide receiving core. So the strictly the wide receivers, tight ends, very involved today for the Chiefs, but strictly looking at the wide receivers, Sky more and more receptions than the rest of the Chiefs receivers combined. He looks like he now probably is set over the long term, or at least the medium term, to be an interesting kind of 1A, 1B with Kadarius Tony more having the game today that part was encouraging so we've been waiting for a lot of the season to see these guys perform well we know that players like garrett wilson and drake london two players who are shut down again today other than the london touchdown but those guys look like they will be stars we haven't gotten to see jamison williams yet but when you look at how wilson has played when you look at how chris olave has played you got to have some enthusiasm for him chris olave has another big game today in the saints victory so this class of rookie wide receivers, once it's all said and done, it doesn't look like they're going to have the 
rookie year impact that we witnessed from multiple players across the last several years. But in terms of the quality of the class and where these guys are going, I mean, George Pickens had you know, a good and bad game today. And Colin, that's where we're going to start talking about this important game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers, a chance for Kenny Pickett to take the next step for the Steelers to get an important victory there and for the Bengals to make a playoff push, try and get back, not be, you know, not join the Los Angeles Rams in collapsing and missing the playoffs. They needed this game and it was probably the best game of the day. Yeah, pretty pretty exciting stuff. It finishes 37-32 Cincinnati. That gets them to six and four, but the, the Steelers now in a, a big bit of trouble, three and seven on the season. It, it, it always felt like it was going to be a, a little bit of a rebuilding process after Ben Roethlisberger obviously retired. And maybe even Steelers fans may say that maybe they're more optimistic as we're only one season removed from that. And we're seeing some signs, but I mentioned this with Kenny Pickett last week. There are some flashes of really positive. And then there's obviously the, the rookie mistakes that you would expect to have in there. But Joe Burrow has four touchdowns, two interceptions in this 355 yards off 39 pass attempts. But Sean, the theme on the last couple of weeks shows has been players scoring hat tricks, three touchdowns in one game. And this was a, another week where you'll see that theme going through. I don't know if this is just the feeling, but over the last like four weeks, that must be the most condensed period in fantasy football scoring where we've seen players achieve that on a weekly basis. A lot of players this week getting two touchdowns. So I'm sure there's people out there who maybe their fantasy week just swung completely on one performance of one player. Many players may not have this guy on their roster, but zero RB rosters. I'm sure there was some spots where people have started Samaji P. Ryan this week on the ground. He just has 30 yards off 11 carries, but Joe Mixon has a concussion in this game, so he is seven for 20 on the ground. But where it really spins is the four for 52 and three touchdowns that P. Ryan gets through the air. The real other player of note for the Cincinnati Bengals in this one, Sean, is T. Higgins who does have nine for one for it. So we still have no Jamar Chase positive reports over the last couple of days. Hopefully we'll get him back in the next few weeks. But Higgins having a, a very, very big day here through the air. We have Najee Harris getting 90 yards off 20 carries and two touchdowns going his way. And then you mentioned Pickens, his kind of mixed day, but through the air, four for 83 and one touchdown off six targets. And again, quite condensed on both sides of the ball here. We get the uh, Pat Fairmouth, 12 targets, 8 receptions, 79 yards. And Harris is the other one with 4 for 26 on 6 targets. Disappointing day for Deontay Johnson, just the 21 yards of 4 receptions of 5 targets. So disappointing day for him. But you mentioned the rookie element, big day for George Pickens, you know, fantasy-wise. But where, where are you looking here? It's kind of a combined combination of potential angles to go with. But P. Ryan is somebody who we would have added in some of those basketball drafts late. And this week is certainly going to help those rosters. Yeah. You look at the way that Pickett played and a lot of good, a lot of bad 42 attempts. You love to see the two QBs here in this game combine for 81 when so much of what we've had to witness over the last month from so many teams has been the exact opposite. He's not able to hold up to what Joe Burrow does here, averaging almost nine yards per attempt and four touchdowns, but he did throw some very nice passes and his line would look different if George Pickens hadn't dropped a beautifully thrown long touchdown that would have changed things for Pickens. I mean, Pickens goes four receptions, 83 yards, a touchdown, but has a couple of plays that he doesn't make. Another long potential score where he ends up kind of spinning around in the end zone, flailing about, falling down. The ball goes off to the side of him, and it looks like he's gotten open, and Pickett has just missed him badly. Now, obviously, there's a miscommunication there, but once Pickens picks that ball up, if he just goes to where the spot is, as opposed to sort of losing his balance and you know doing kind of a little kid thing after you've spun around on the baseball bat or what have you, then maybe you get the three touchdowns for Pickens in this game. And all of a sudden we're talking about him as the next absolute superstar, right? He had some opportunities. He does make a couple of very, very nice catches, but he left a lot on the table that would have made his quarterback look better. You contrast that with the situation here for Deontay Johnson, where they're just simply not using him. The contrast between Ben Roethlisberger and even a broken down Ben Roethlisberger over the last couple of years 
in the way that Kenny Pickett is playing. It's just unfortunate. He's got the new contract. He's going to be with the Steelers. He's going to form this one, two, three punch with Pickens and Fryermuth. But for those guys to go for 18 targets and get to 162 yards, and for him to just have the five targets and go for 21. And this is the second straight week where, I mean, Gunnar Olszewski not really involved, but does catch a couple of key passes down the stretch. If he gets in from the one yard line at the end, as, as opposed to getting that second kind of dive for Harris and Harris, the second touchdown. I mean, that's the reason why you want Harris there, right? They have some issue here with Jalen Warren getting hurt. And so he gets more or less all of the touches that allows him to get that second touchdown. So it's a great day for his fantasy prospects. Again, not that explosive, but fine. He also has the six targets in this one. The Steelers are finally now going to come out of this very, very rough stretch. We've been saying for a long time, you look up the strength of schedule streamer, you eyeball it, however you want to look at what they faced and his slate of opposing pass defenses, very, very strong. It's going to get better as you go down the stretch here. I think that when you watch him in this game and you kind of contrast it in your mind to where we were with the Patriots and the Jets, especially the Jets side of it, I mean, there's a much better chance that he goes on to be a successful NFL quarterback than Zach Wilson, for example, but that may be <laughs> the lowest of bars to clear. He may need to prove quite a bit more than just that. Even though he only averages just over six yards per attempt in this one, I think if you have him on your dynasty roster, if you were forced to play him today, I had multiple teams where he went instead of Kyler Murray, who, I mean, I, I hope that Murray plays tomorrow night. I think that he is slightly more likely to than not. But given the fact that Murray has a, a tough matchup with the 49ers, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, Murray has a much higher ceiling, but they're probably going to score in the same range. You might've had to play Pickett today. If you had Tua, for example, you might've had to play him he came through with a decent number in the yardage category. He also scrambled well, avoided some other sacks. He only gets the two carries for the 14 yards, but the element with him, he's going to bring a little bit of that Trevor Lawrence-ish rushing value. So not what you were hoping to see. They don't win this shootout. He doesn't get a couple of those touchdowns that do go to Najee Harris, but this another encouraging game. And very much we're looking at Pat Fryermuth now as sort of the next guy. I mean, is he going to get to you know, being the type of player that Kelsey is for the Kansas City Chiefs at any point? I mean, that's such a high standard to hit. But is he going to go into that next category and do so for seven, eight, you know, ten years? It looks that way. I mean, Pickens and Fryermuth really emerging as good fits for Pickett. I think you've got to be excited about this game as a Steelers fan and as a fantasy manager of these players, even though they're not able to come through. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And then we move on, Sean, to one that I'm sure you're very, very excited about here. It is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Los Angeles Chargers. I mentioned this one before we started recording because it is obviously a fourth quarter comeback for the Kansas City Chiefs. You mentioned you weren't concerned at all, but I'm sure there was a, an inkling of concern in there. But this puts the Kansas City Chiefs now to eight and two on the season, five and five for the, the Chargers, who have had their struggles throughout the season with missing players through injury. They get Keenan Allen back in this one. Unfortunately, Mike Evans goes out with an ankle injury after one reception for 15 yards for him. But Keenan Allen, five for 94 on eight targets. We get Joshua Palmer with a, a huge day for him. 10 targets, eight receptions, 106 yards and two touchdowns. So him and Allen being a, a major driving force here for the Chargers. We also get Austin Eckler with 19 rush attempts, 83 yards, one touchdown for him a little bit quieter than usual for Eckler through the air just two targets two receptions 17 yards and that gives Justin Herbert 280 total yards passing two touchdowns one interception but Sean we have been saying that any other quarterback I think you know we would everyone would be gushing over at this point of the season MVP would almost be wrapped up with Patrick Mahomes with another three touchdowns 329 yards makes it look pretty simple doing so and I guess that's probably part of the reason why you have that confidence as to how this game is going to play out Clyde Edwards Alaire left this game he had two rush attempts for nine yards but we have us or Isaiah Pacheco leading the way 15 for 107 for him on the ground but Sean the player of the day and this is the win bet player of the day and that is Travis Kelsey so we're going to get into the stat line in just a moment but you can sign up today to receive a special sports offer you can bet $100 to win $100 download the win bet app now or go to wynnbet.com to start winning but John Travis Kelsey he does it again he's done it again a bit like I mentioned with Mahomes it's consistent that he does it but another one of his I guess iconic performances at this point he gets 10 targets six receptions 115 yards three touchdowns for him and you mentioned Sky Moore he has six targets five receptions 63 yards but looking through the rest of what has happened with that offense you know Kelsey has completely just you know with Mahomes taken this game over and between the two of them you may say different but kind of get the job done single-handedly or double-handedly I guess with the, the two of those guys paired together but I'm sure one of the better performances for Chargers fans probably to watch this season in terms of how competitive they were but the Chiefs coming through in the end 30 to 27 and uh, Travis Kelsey just looking like the all-time great that he is yeah <laughs> just unbelievable right and on each of these three touchdowns he is completely uncoverable and yet at the same time the chargers have not done what they needed to do he's being blanketed by and by blanketed i mean held by derwin james (laughs) on the vast majority of these plays and they're having reasonable success on a lot of the plays and yet because of that they fail to double and triple team him at the key moments, let him get away for the big play. I mean, it's not the idea isn't to stop him a handful of times and then let him carve you apart for three touchdowns, two of the long variety, including the game winning touchdown. You want to take away the other team's best player. And for the Chargers to have not done this is pretty hard. Now, the Chargers just have a lot of problems on defense, they have a terrible run defense, some of that by design. It was frustrating to watch the Chiefs hand off so frequently in the second half. This is a game where both Mahomes and Herbert carve apart the opponent. They combine for five touchdowns. They each average over nine yards per attempt. And yet the two teams here run almost as much as they pass. Now, a little bit of that is that you do have some scrambles from Mahomes and Herbert categorized as running plays but both teams and especially the chargers appear to be trying to kill the clock in the second half the chargers would probably argue that we almost got it done right all we needed to do was have the game time up a little bit differently down the stretch but this is a a game where they hold the chiefs to field goals on the first two drives they end up with a very promising sort of end of the half start of the half combination the chiefs in this one are not able to do sort of their textbook score at the end of the first half get the ball to start the second half and score and bury the opponent instead the chargers have that opportunity they also are able to score and take the lead when they get 
the benefit of that Jarek McKinnon fumble late. And even with all of those things going on, even with the Chiefs receivers being completely shut down. And I would just mention again, when you're talking about how the defense has to run, this is the game where Sky Moore, someone who has seven receptions coming into the game, catches five passes. And that's more than Justin Watson, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Kadarius Tony combined. The thing that you had to account for in this game was exclusively Travis Kelsey, and you don't do it. On the other side, the Chargers, I thought, looked good in the passing game. Joshua Palmer has been a guy that people liked, especially in best ball, because of the potential for games like this. You could actually see how having some of the other guys come back freed him up a little bit. Frustrating runs at times for him when Allen and Mike Williams were both out. But in this one, as the Chiefs look to account for some of those other players, he absolutely explodes a great game for him. I think that a very disappointing game for Mike Williams. I know he was enthusiastic coming in, felt like he was ready, could go out there and go. He makes a, a nice 15-yard reception on a third down early to make a conversion. Toe taps on the sidelines, but his feet don't come down cleanly in terms of the landing, and then he's out of the game. It's tough because so many fantasy managers were kind of waiting for him through. Dave Cabin and I had to kind of discuss how we wanted to play Traylon Burks on Thursday. And you've got these big names in terms of Mike Williams, Marquise Brown potentially coming back. You have to go for the veterans in shootouts as opposed to someone who hasn't done anything in a game that could be very, very low scoring. Now, had Burks in in a few games, and those were very exciting. But this is kind of the flip side of it, where the players who come in, even if they claim to be more or less back the re-injury risk very real that part has been frustrating throughout the season to lose so many players more or less on the first play of the game for them that's the way fantasy works so you have to have enough scoring to overcome that it looks like Tave and i will win it'll be interesting to see if that ends up being enough to make the playoffs there with what happens in week 12 Colin, just on a, a little bit of a, a lighter note this was a big week for my teams in the kicker and defense department so oh, if you can't get it done in the normal categories, just go out there and, and kick a bunch of field goals, score some defensive points. This is a good week to have uh, Washington in there. It's always a good week to have the New England Patriots in there when they play the Jets. We kind of joke from time to time that when you pull up your FFPC list of squads and you feel like you've had a great day and the, and the scores are all mediocre and you're trying to figure out what actually happened it'll often come back that you know you scored seven or eight total points with kicker and defense combined and that will neutralize some other pretty good scores and then you'll have days like today where basically a big chunk of the starting lineup is on the buy so you know you're not getting those points and then you, you suffer through games like the ravens panthers which is three all late into the game obviously you have a jets patriots game in which there are no offensive touchdowns scored you know that there's not going to be huge shootout potential in these but then when you actually have a decent score you look in you're like oh got 40 points from kicker and defense that will that will go a long way so as we reach the thanksgiving week and column you and i'll probably do you know more of this later in the week on the shows but week 11 i'm thankful for kickers and defenses so uh, that that might give us a signal as to how no, I was in week eleven to start. Maybe not the most exciting week. Sean is hyping up the success of the the kickers and the defenses this week. So uh, yeah, but we we will be talking about things we are thankful for uh, in one of our shows later in the week. I'm sure, Sean. But you you mentioned it there, so we're going to get to the Patriots and the Jets next. But the question I have for the listeners, you can let me know on YouTube, or you can let me know on on Twitter. But Travis Kelsey at this point, greatest tight end in fantasy football history is he has he surpassed gronkowski you know that's probably the the place i usually look to but just looking sean at this season to date that is his 11th touchdown on the season and we're into a, a spot where you know he's approaching those 1000 yards 100 receptions already at this point and we've seen some astronomical games from him this season the most interesting stat line for me is probably the the week versus um the, the raiders where he goes eight targets, seven receptions for 25 yards and four touchdowns. So that, that that's an interesting overall you know production line. But most weeks here, eclipsing 100 yards are very close to it. Obviously, most weeks uh, getting touchdowns in there. But just monster performances. Obviously, no Tyreek Hill in, in Kansas City. But Travis Kelsey, you know, 
33 years old at this point, but but doesn't look like he's missed a beat, potentially even getting more savvy as a, as a veteran as we move forward here. But that is my question for the week. Is he the greatest tight end in fantasy football history? Sean, I'm going to give you a one-word answer for that question. Yes or no? Yes. But, I mean, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates yes, do want you to go back and 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 not to skip by Gronkowski. He's been absolutely fantastic. I think I think this feels like uh, this this does feel like the you know the Gronk Brady stretches that we've seen. We're going to have at least a couple more years of Kelsey and obviously tethered to such a, an elite quarterback. And and Mahomes should if, you know if he continues this this season and a season or two more, I think it's going to be interesting uh, moving forward here. Yeah, I mean, it, also the longest one word answer that we've we've given on the show yet. Well, we yes was the answer yes and. <laughs> He had some real jets out there today. I mean, looked yeah. spry, looked fast, looked, I mean, looked better than he looked 10 years ago, basically. And I mean, I just, you mentioned that Raiders game, and that was the one that was coming to mind for me as well. The teams spend so much time and so much money to prepare for the season and to figure out ways to finish above their divisional opponents. I mean, who are the Raiders focusing on? The Kansas City Chiefs. Who are the Chargers getting ready for when they build their entire offseason plan? It's this game today against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Denver Broncos plan, I guess, is to spend you know hundreds of millions of dollars on Russell Wilson and have him call plays from a different team. But when you're looking at the Raiders and the Chargers, my recommendation is... Draft Travis Kelsey? <laughs> No, I mean, that's not an option for them. But when you're putting your defensive game plan together, you want to hold and double team him in the red zone. Hold and double team him. It's pretty it's pretty straightforward. I don't know why the Raiders are like covering him everywhere except for inside the 10. I don't know what the Chargers were doing today. I mean, you had one mission, hold and double team Travis Kelsey. You only accomplished one half of it. You've got to double team him in addition to holding him. Come on, guys. It's pretty straightforward. And you mentioned that Kelsey showed some Jets. So to the New York Jets who maybe didn't show any Jets or maybe showed all of the Jets today with the three points that they put up, that was the second quarter where up until basically one of the final plays of the game was probably the most exciting portion of this game where we get a 3-3 tie in, in quarter two. That was the only point up until the punt return to seal the game for the Patriots, which Sean mentioned would obviously reflect then in those you know defense and special teams points. A fantastic play, probably a missed, uh, you know, block in the back towards the very end of that. Which, if it had been given, would have been a, a really like it's it's just a bad play by, um, you know, the, the special teams player making making that block. But he he gets away with it. So Sean, looking through this, I'm going to let you lead the way. Where is the excitement in this game outside of uh, outside of special teams? And I'm going to go for the the four targets that Elijah Moore received. But unfortunately, that just turned into to two for seventeen. But We've seen Elijah Moore actually involved in an NFL game. We did see him involved. This one is hilarious, right? Because you get six targets for Denzel Mims, who... You get nine <laughs> completions here for the for Zach Wilson and the Jets. And they and they almost took this to overtime. I'll not say they almost won. They almost took it to overtime. I mean, this game was mind-boggling. And we've said that about a, a variety of games this season, but... I don't know. I mean, I, there have been a couple games recently where you could see the athleticism from Zach Wilson moving around in the pocket and then scrambling, buying some time, running downfield a little bit, doing some of the types of things that have become so important in 2022 and then developing that rapport with a Garrett Wilson. But in this game here where you face the Patriots defense and you face the schemes from Bill Belichick and they take away Wilson to where he only gets the three targets, those three targets of pretty low quality as it were there's nothing else that they really have to go to here that running backs get absolutely swallowed up both michael carter and james robinson averaging less than 2.5 yards a carry they don't have any secondary option they developed in the passing game and zach wilson is completely lost and i mean you contrast that with the patriots who somehow managed to not pull away and win this game fairly handily one of the things that leads to that, and 
it's not going to be a blowout victory by any stretch, but you have a couple of missed field goals that should have been made. They turned the ball over on downs. They managed to squander what was actually a pretty solid performance from Mac Jones. And I know that that's going to sound really hard to believe, again, when they only score three points. But so much of what happened here is that they hand the ball off to Ramondre Stevenson 15 times and he gains 26 yards, which means that almost all of those drives that are run heavy, which I mean, that's the Patriots' philosophy right now, are torpedoed by just not getting any value out of it. All you're doing is, is running the clock in those situations. Now, Stevenson does give them this weapon in the receiving game. He does lead the team in receiving yards. So it's not like Stevenson didn't contribute. I'm not suggesting that at all. But you need to get a little bit more out of Jacoby Myers, who goes 4 for 52. You need to get a little bit more out of a Devontae Parker or a Kendrick Bourne. We do get a Tyquan Thornton sighting in this game. He has a couple of targets. The nine yards per attempt that Mac Jones averages is offset by six sacks, where he loses almost 50 yards. So you have to factor that into the equation when you think about what he's doing here. If you want to use the sort of old school quarterback rating, he goes over 100, but his QBR is actually even worse than Zach Wilson's. Again, it reminds you of the importance of those sacks and when they come in the game. But this is maybe the first time in a while that I think you look at what the Patriots did and you wonder about their play calling, you wonder about their offensive staff from a coaching perspective. Your quarterback can't go 23 for 27 for almost nine yards per attempt or over nine yards per attempt and only score three points, right? That can't happen. You're playing a good Jets defense. I mean, the Jets had a chance here to really put the Patriots not completely away, but to take it advantage of this division to go to five and oh in the division be seven and three have a two game lead on the patriots instead it goes the other direction i mean the team that played better won this game so from that perspective i think as a fan you more or less have to be all right with it but uh, to to miss this opportunity to lose it on a punt return at the end it's an exciting play from a fan perspective it's an exciting play because you don't have to watch the Jets and the Patriots play overtime. But I mean, I, I kind of wanted to see how these teams were going to finish this up. I mean, this really did look like it was headed for a three, three tie. Yeah. There was obviously there's, there's obviously talking points, but a, a very strange game. Damian Harris, probably a note on him, uh, had a 30 yard long rush in this one. He finishes eight for 65. One of his more explosive performances this season. So um, you know, hopefully he's leading back to being 100% healthy at this point. The Ramondre Stevenson's work in the, the passing game has has been very positive. He has those six targets, six receptions, 56 yards, but has continuation to be involved. And he actually leads the target or leads the team in receptions and, and ties with Jacoby Myers in targets. So something to, to look at there. But yeah, both of these teams looking to run the ball, not able to do so. Neither team breaking 100 combined rushing yards between all players. And then we also, you mentioned the sack, Sean. It is 10 sacks combined for 81 yards lost for the two quarterbacks. So not not great from, from that perspective. So we'll give it up to the both of the defenses in this one. Moving on, Sean, to the other side of New York, that is the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions. Both the Jets and the Giants, you know, we're kind of moving into that part where you're starting to say, like, they probably are heading to the playoffs. How is the end of their season going to finish up? Well, the Lions continue to pick up some of these wins. They've had a couple of narrow losses. They've beaten the Packers. Now they've beaten the Giants. So they are four and six on the season. You know, much better than I think the team would have expected. But the the New York Giants now seven and three. So still in a, a pretty good spot, but opportunities kind of being lost for them. Obviously, last week we had the uh, Eagles, who we'll talk about in a moment, losing. That would have given the, the Giants a, another chance to try and continue to, to catch up on them. But this one... Jared Goff doesn't get a lot done. The big talking point, obviously, I thought Amara St. Brown looked pretty positive. You know, he's working his way back still from those couple of different injuries, but eight targets for him, seven receptions, 76 yards. Again, Sean, I mentioned this on our kind of ADP recap shows where we were talking about who was the potential late round winners. Jamal Williams was somebody we talked about. He continues to get in the end zone, 17 for 64 rushing, but three touchdowns going his way. We do get DeAndre Swift with a late touchdown, but that was after all three of Jamal Williams' touchdowns. He goes five for 20. Still, I, you know, doesn't look to be 100% healthy. Gets three receptions off three targets for 12 yards. But 
Um, you know, Jamal Williams continues to to punch it in one way or another into the end zone. We talked about inefficient running in the Jets game. We have Saquon Barkley, 15 rush attempts for 22 yards for 1.5 yards per an attempt. The longest rush today for Barkley was four rushing yards. So they're really trying to, you know, Detroit were really, you know, the game plan was to stop Saquon Barkley and to to an extent that obviously worked as they kind of got their doors or they, they blew the doors off the, the Giants a little bit here. And then we get Wendell Robinson, as you mentioned, 13 targets, nine receptions, 100 yards. So he's the, the bright spot there. We also get Darius Slayton, 10 targets, five receptions for 86 yards. What are some of your, your thoughts coming away from this game, Sean? Obviously a disappointing day for Saquon Barkley, but a very positive day for Robinson. Let's hope that injury isn't a long-term one that we can get him back out there because we've seen some flashes this season, but this was the most consistent and combined usage that we've seen him get. But in this one, it's 17-6 at halftime. So I do think that the the Giants were much more in, in pass mode in this than we would normally see. So maybe that did bolster, you know, both the, the target shares for for Slitton and, and Wendell as we had Daniel Jones pass 44 times in this for 341 yards. Yeah, they don't really want Daniel Jones to drop back and throw 44 <laughs> times, but he looked good. I mean... He did look pretty good, yeah. The, the two picks obviously hurt the team. One of those picks not of the good variety and yet you look at the arm strength you look at the accuracy you look at the elevating guys like Wondell Robinson and Darius Slayton I mean Slayton unfortunately for him the issue is that he just doesn't have great hands or hasn't been able to demonstrate the consistency and the concentration to go with his explosiveness he's a fantastic athlete and an elite deep threat they prefer him over some of the players who have just washed out of here, like a Kadarius Tony, like a Kenny Galladay, who actually does come back and catch both of his targets in this game after last week was really the culmination of one of the worst stretches we've ever seen from a wide receiver who has a contract, anything like the range that he does have. I also thought that Dino Jones competed. You, you look at this game and you think about what could be the future for him the Giants are going to be frustrated to have lost this game to the Lions, but they are 7-3. and three. They've kind of backed themselves into this own corner by not building around him with better weapons. And obviously they've moved away from the front office that made a lot of those choices. But when you look at what he's doing, he averaged, and he adds you know, the seven carries, the 50 yards. He's one of these quarterbacks who brings that rushing element to where you could pick up third downs with him. You can run a lot of the read option types of plays. And the Lions today sold out to stop Saquon Barkley. They were very successful at that. That allowed Daniel Jones to have some opportunities, and he mostly capitalized on them. The problem for the Giants is that they haven't shown any creativity at all in using Barkley in the first half of games recently. They're counting on him to basically do it all himself and to break a big play or two the type of thing that we witnessed from the Colts during that worst stretch for Jonathan Taylor, Barkley does get the five targets today, but they're again, very low quality targets. So he has the 20 opportunities, but only turns that into 35 yards. I would put a lot of that on the coaching staff. Now he himself needs to play better. I mean, Matt Breida comes out, he scores the touchdown. I mean, if you have Barkley and you, and you get that Breida touchdown, then that part very, very frustrating. You know, you're not getting your Barkley teams over the line. If anything, those teams are going in the wrong direction as we head toward the fantasy playoffs. If you're kind of hoping to make a move where you trade Barkley away and dynasty, your leverage isn't going to be helped by that going into the trade deadline. But I would put this on the coaches. I would also say Daniel Jones, someone to maybe go out there and buy this week. Even if he doesn't stick as the quarterback in New York, and that probably would be a frustration since you can see a scenario where he is a poor man's Josh Allen there with Dable for the long term. But even if they don't go that route, I think that he's going to have a second act a little bit like we're seeing with Jared Goff and the Lions. The numbers don't pop for Goff today, but he was very competent in this one. And for him, it's interesting because as he wins games now and if the Lions get moved into the middle of the pack, I mean, he could be saving his career by pushing them out of the position where they could select one of these young stars. That part was interesting. This is a weird game because 
the Lions score 31 points against an above average defense and do it where Goff doesn't really put up huge numbers and nobody else actually does either. Nobody at the NFL level scores three touchdowns or scores a ton of fantasy points without having any talent or ability to do things. But I don't think I've ever witnessed a situation where someone scored as many points as Jamal Williams has been scoring this year and brought so little to the table. His teammates are doing everything for him in terms of getting those three touchdowns in this game. He does. He's got that hard knocks bump. Well, I mean, he looked bad in this one again. And DeAndre Swift does finally get the fourth touchdown. I mean, Justin Jackson was easily the best of the three backs. He carries nine times for 66 yards. He also adds a target in there. The guys who are catching the passes out of the backfield are Jackson and Swift. I mean, all of the stuff that actually requires a back to have some flexibility and to do things other than run to the line and fall down are being done by other players. But again, I mean, obviously, if you have Jamal Williams in any kind of deep league right now, you're playing him in best ball. You're ecstatic that you have him. I guess I wouldn't be convinced that he's going to do it in the fantasy playoffs when the other two backs are so clearly better and yet the Lions are creating goal line opportunities and he's their goal line back. Yeah, you mentioned the lack of creativity from the the Giants and this is exactly the type of game plan they do not want to be in where they're behind trying to catch up and you mentioned Goff, there's a lot of games this year where they have been trying to catch up and that meant that he was having to throw it more but they ran the ball 37 times here for 160 yards and four touchdowns so really dominating on the ground here and the other thing was they were able to punch it in so they get a field goal but then they followed up in the second quarter with two touchdowns and they go with a touchdown in the third a touchdown in the fourth so when they were getting those goal line opportunities they were they were pushing it in you mentioned daniel jones as well and i think this is probably overall his best season in the nfl but this was his first game to pass 300 yards in the season finishes with 341 but prior to this just looking through it he is two games above 200 yards and he had one game at 100 and 97 and one game at 196 so if we want to round up that's you know four over 200 this would be the fifth which was over the first one over 300 so they are not trying to get him to pass the ball this was the most passing attempts by him in a game as well by seven but that was from the the dallas game where he had 37 pass attempts so before that you know that was kind of the outlier before this one so a big outlier for the giants but they'll be trying to bounce back but yeah you know I like these teams where they're trying to see what they can do with the young quarterbacks at the same time when the objective is to to try and hide them away and not let them, you know, pass the ball or try and make those plays. That That's obviously a disappointment. A game where that is kind of the theme of the season, but we're seeing one of these guys really start to break out, and that is the Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons again, the Falcons have been the team where like we're, you know, this season where like they're they're not really that good and they're not, that fun to watch but they win again and they are five and six on the season they're four and two at home inside that dome in atlanta so 27 24 the bears do lose this one justin fields though does have a and again this is the part i would like to see the bears now start to expand with fields as a passing game again we can talk about the weapons as well if that is the, the problem but passes 21 times 14 completions 153 yards one touchdown one interception but he also rushes for 85 yards on 18 attempts and a touchdown. So the big positive to what the Bears have done with Fields is allow him to rush the ball. The negative is the way the passing game is still working out. But I will say in this, we did see some nice passes to Darnell Mooney. There was one overthrowing or, you know, just a slight, slight adjustment maybe would have made the pass complete to Darnell Mooney, which could have been another long completion. So, we have David Montgomery has 67 yards, 17 rush attempts for one touchdown. He looked a little bit better in this game. Out of that, Sean, it's, it's really quiet. Mooney does have 29 yards, five targets, four receptions, one touchdown on that side. And Kyle Pitts goes out injured in this. He did have five targets at that point. He had three receptions, 43 yards. But nobody else has more than two receptions for, for the Atlanta Falcons. So my big takeaway from this, Sean, is going to be that in terms of special teams plays, Carderell Patterson broke an NFL record for the most returns from kickoff. So when that's the biggest takeaway, I don't know how excited we are for this game. Well, but it, he, now you talked about Jets earlier. He he still has those Jets and those legs. As the legs are getting older at, at 31 years old, but he still has that 
he splits those last two defenders and you're like he's definitely getting tackled here and he just decided he was going to to run between them and head head to the end zone yeah when he splits the defenders like he's gone and yeah he also carries 10 times in this game 52 yards trails tyler alishier there both of those guys run effectively you don't exactly want marcus mariota to lead the team in carries especially if he averages less than two yards per attempt but he does get that touchdown and, and so he was a bit banged up throughout this game as well so i was surprised as to how much they continue to run him even after that yeah it's something they have to do within the context of how their offense works and it allows them to mitigate some of the other issues that come up here i thought the competitiveness from mariota was fantastic the rushing touchdown that he gets a real highlight you can see why they like him you can see how he's a fit for the offense i still think that we'll probably get desmond ritter at the end of the season but for those of us who are deploying Mariota and Superflex leagues, this is the kind of game that you can get. And he's got a very low ceiling, but he's also got a much better floor than the overall usage might indicate to you. The, the Falcons should not have won this game, but a couple of little mistakes by the Bears get that done. So you mentioned Pitts leading the team in targets obviously another bad game for him and even when things go mildly well as you could i don't know <laughs> i guess you could argue for this one in him he does get hurt and so that ends any kind of mild hot streak he might have in this game the other thing that's vaguely frustrating even though london you know argue i mean you say rescues his fantasy day i mean he ends up with 7.2 points as opposed to basically a shutout london catches one pass it is a very nice route in the back of the end zone a very nice play by mariota so i think you've got to be enthusiastic about that play because mariota keeps the play going by scrambling to his left london showed not just the route running but the speed for a player of his size you think about that two, three years down the line and how he could be really, I'm not saying from a production perspective that we'll ever get Mike Evans levels. I mean, Evans has been so consistent and so good for so long, but in terms of the big plays, in terms of what he actually brings to the table could be sort of an upgraded version of Evans. Is that going to ever happen in an Arthur Smith offense or with Marcus Mariota pulling the trigger? Almost certainly not. So it kind of depends on if you needed the points today or if you have them on a dynasty roster and you're looking for the future. Definitely, if you can buy these guys, you want to go out and do it. I think I'm probably more enthusiastic about buying London than buying Pitts at this point. And Pitts has that advantage at the tight end position that we were targeting to begin the season. Obviously, when you're thinking about building your dynasty team, if you can have that. But considering where everything is going here, London has the shot to kind of counterbalance or neutralize pits over the long term whereas you think to that offense with the Steelers and how Fryermuth is emerging with Pickens alongside him I mean it's it's kind of a darkest timeline type of observation specifically as it relates to Pitts but you might really prefer Fryermuth even in Dynasty to Pitts at this juncture on the other side Fields look very good in almost every way today. And David Montgomery, someone who everybody who has him and is not competing in Dynasty is trying to get him moved because now that Cole Herbert is on IR for the stretch, people are trying to sell you Montgomery as a league winner. There are still some holes with that thesis. And yet he does go for over 100 yards from scrimmage and balances that nicely between rushing and receiving. He gets the rushing touchdown in this one. Fields, as you mentioned, balances both the passing and the rushing. But there were a couple of not particularly good passes that highlight the fact that Fields still has room to grow. Passes batted down. There was the humorous one today where, Column, you have all these interceptions that are thrown at the NFL level where the defense disguises the look and a receiver is running his route into a zone where a player that the quarterback does not see is crouching there and waiting to make the pick. You don't want that player that you don't see to be your offensive lineman. There was a play today where a receiver was coming open. And <laughs> I mean, cause it is kind of funny, obviously the 
television presentation of this is going to focus on. So you get kind of the slow-mo where you can see his receiver crossing and you can see Justin Fields' eyes tracking and he releases the ball and you're like, yes, his receiver is going to come right in the line of his offensive lineman. It was a real surprise to the offensive lineman. He took that ball in the ear hole. So, so when you're still nailing your offensive lineman in the back of the head, that's not what you're trying to do as a passer overlooking that and also overlooking the loss for the bears. They actually probably prefer to lose. I mean, you want to be as competitive as possible, win some games, not be a train wreck to where your team loses all of its confidence. But if you're the Bears and you're focusing on 2023, 2024, you want your picks to be as high value as possible. You're fine actually losing this game. It's just some of those plays that you prefer not to have in there. Big picture, Justin Fields, I mean, he's moving into that level if he's not already there where you're talking about him just below the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes tier in terms of Superflex, that next group obviously has Herbert and Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. So you have the big time passers in Herbert and Burrow. I think that you can make an argument for Burrow above Herbert at this point. He's doing it without Jamar Chase. He's going to have Chase and that Chase Higgins backstop. You can pair that to what Herbert is probably going to have. I mean, the, the Chargers need to reload, whereas the Bengals have this base now for the next decade of dominance. And then you have the hybrid QBs. And so where Justin Fields fits as a hybrid QB compared to Jackson and Hertz and Murray right now, there's no question that he brings more explosiveness than any of those guys. Can he be sort of a Lamar Jackson plus a year from now? We'll see what the the Bears add, and we'll see if he can avoid a few of the gaffes that he's made. But the arm talent is there in a very big way as well. I don't think the rest of those passers match him from an arm talent perspective. But obviously, being a successful passer at the NFL level, not so much about arm talent as it is information processing, decision making, and accuracy. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how that development continues to happen. But Sean... The next game up here, I mentioned earlier, the Eagles obviously lost last week to the Commanders, and we have a game where they eke it out at the very, very end. They get a late touchdown. They're they're behind by six, and uh, they, they get the job done at the very, very end here. Jalen Hurts, not his most impressive game, but he gets it done, as you mentioned, hybrid ability with him as well. 86 rushing yards on 16 carries for one touchdown. Pretty balanced day throughout the rest of the, the offense, I guess we'll say, for the, the Eagles. They're obviously missing Dallas Goddard for the next few weeks. Jonathan Taylor gets a, a massive percentage of the, the running back attempts here. 22 attempts out of 26. Gets 84 of the 99 yards. He gets one touchdown. Kind of salvages his day. This game, Sean, for me, is a game where the Eagles were kind of allowed to stay in it because Indy kept settling for field goals in this one. They have a, a situation, you know, at the end where in the fourth quarter, just under five minutes left where they're, they're down at the, the five-yard line of the Eagles on third and goal. Matt Ryan takes a 14-yard sack, which obviously in that situation, now you, could, you know, fourth and 19, fourth and goal from the 19, I don't think you can really go for it in that situation, but you can't take a sack there. You'd be fourth and five at the, the goal line. Maybe you can go for it again there and try and put this game away. But they played a little bit scared. The Eagles have that firepower that you really need to put them away when you have those opportunities so they get nabbed at the very end. What was your key takeaways from the, the Colts versus the Eagles here? Yeah, missed opportunities on the Colts' side. They played this very well in the first half, gave themselves a chance. Jonathan Taylor, dominant in the initial stands that didn't do much at all after halftime. The Eagles have been <laughs> heavily criticized in the media, including on our show last week. We're talking about how they've got to get up there and make a stop on defense. You can't let the opponent completely control everything about the clock. You know that you're trying to entice teams to run and to not create the explosive plays. But at a certain point, if you are the far superior team, you can't have happen what happened to them last week against the commanders. You actually do want to get in there and assert yourself. They do that in the second half against Taylor. And I think from a, a small note perspective, he does have the four targets in this game. That part is encouraging, but he's not in on the final drive where they're frantically trying to get back 
into field goal position to win the game. Deion Jackson gets some targets on that one as you're trying to think through what might transpire in the future in the receiving game with the Colts running backs. This one had a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue in the second half. You have this key sequence down the stretch where the stars, Jonathan Taylor and A.J. Brown, exchange fumbles. If either of them doesn't have the fumble, then their team probably wins easier. The one with Jonathan Taylor, he ends up getting sort of carried forward in this wave of players. It's one of these plays where the offensive line gets behind him and, and has that push. We've seen that work out for offensive teams over and over this season, but it does create this possibility where as you're being pulled along for these additional yards that the defenders cannot get in there and try and yank the ball away after he's been stood up and the officials refuse to blow the whistle for a long, long time. He does eventually fumble for his sake. That's balanced out by AJ Brown who had a pretty lackluster game today. Obviously we talk about how teams need to play the chiefs and Travis Kelsey right now. AJ Brown is getting some of that attention from opposing defenses, but you'd like to see him do more, including not fumble this ball here. The Colts respond with a field goal. Then you get Jalen hurts really putting the team on his back. A lot of carries down the stretch, including the final touchdown where the water sort of part the Colts appear to forget that that's really maybe the main thing that he is bringing to the table he ends up with 80 plus rushing yards and that late game winning touchdown but the other thing that happened is that in the absence of Dallas Goddard we see Devontae Smith a lot bigger priority and a little bit more of a deep threat nine targets he goes six for 78 a couple other chances to add on to that almost makes a fantastic catch down the sideline with Smith and A.J. Brown, you should be able to get the job done, even against an Indianapolis Colts defense that has at times been very difficult to play against. It looked like we were going to get a situation where the Colts would be 5-5-1, five, five, and one, but in those five victories, one would come against the best team in the AFC with the Kansas City Chiefs, one would come against the best team in the NFC and the Philadelphia Eagles, but they're not quite able to get the job done here today. And I think that if you're looking at this, Offense for the Colts, not only would you perhaps prefer even a few more touches for Jonathan Taylor, they don't go to him down by the goal line on a key drive as well. They also miss a field goal where they could have won this game. But for Michael Pittman fans to have him only have the seven targets, I mean, he's very efficient. He catches six of them for 75 yards. But you'd like to see him be involved more. You'd like to see him involved deeper. That basically is the same number that you get for Paris Campbell where he goes for 567 on his six targets. And then Alec Pierce, not effective on his. He leads the team with eight targets, but does make a big play late to keep a drive going. That trio of weapons, not among the best in the NFL, but above average, one that should allow this Colts team to be very competitive as they go down the stretch. And Sean, that's going to close us out on the early recap here for week 11. We will be back with the Buffalo Bills, Cleveland Browns, and much more. And, of course, Monday Night Football as we close out the Week 11 kind of reporting of the games. We'll obviously have our shows later this week. We'll have our, if you're subscribed on the Road of His Overtime podcast feed, you'll get it Tuesday afternoon. Obviously, we'll have Stealing Bananas coming your way as well from Sean and Ben Gretz. So make sure you're checking out all of that as well as all the content across the Road of His Radio podcast network. We have the flagship show with Dave Cabin and Curtis Patrick, among many other great podcasts. So check all them out. Make sure you subscribe to those feeds to get them as soon as possible. If you want to sign up and get yourself a Rotoviz NFL pass, you can do so. You can get yourself that 10% discount with the code RVRADIO2022. The playoff stretch is coming up. You want to make sure you have those lineups optimized. Perfect time to do it. You get Sean's articles. You get Blair's articles. You get all the content and tools up on the website with that subscription. Once again, that is RVRADIO2022. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. If I see a lot of conversation at the moment, Sean, you may have got out early on the the Twitter experience. We'll see. Hopefully, I'm I'm hopeful that it, it remains. But interesting times with Elon on board over there at Twitter. We'll see what happens. But still there at the moment at Overtime Ireland. And of course, you can check out all of Sean's work up on Rotoviz.com. Maybe Sean, the save the, the key to saving this whole thing is we get 
Sean back at FF underscore contrarian. But we'll see. Maybe that will be a negotiation from Twitter to try and save the platform. But until we are back with our Tuesday show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Road of His Radio. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His with a discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.